0: Hello and welcome to another episode of A Study in Granada, a podcast where I, a Holmes fan but not expert, have asked my friend Jackson Eflin to both watch the 1984 Granada television series starring Jeremy Brett and also we read the stories and we talk about them. Jackson, hello.
1: Hi, I'm Jackson. And as before, uh I'm very much a newcomer to Holmes, never really read or watched much of it apart from like, you know, the big popular adaptions. So this is fun to get into. Uh
0: before we get into this week's episode, I do have a correction to make from last week. Yeah, you fool. Yeah, last week I said many times that the order was um Studying Scarlet and then Hound of the Baskerville's, which is incorrect. In fact, it is the sign of four. Uh, so studying Scarlet, then the sign of four, I, I done goofed gang. Like I said, I'm i I'm a fan and a little knowledge, but not uh, all knowledge. So put that correction out of the way, Jackson, this week, what do we got? We got
1: the dancing men this week. And this is a really good one. Like, um, so we're always going to spoil how these things go. But for this one, like if you haven't read or watched it, definitely do that. Like, pause this find that thing if you were ever going to this is one of the like better holmes mystery stories and it's when you can actually solve on your own if you like want to try
0: which is actually a kind of a rarity in holmes mysteries it's usually a lot of ah i've noticed this and i've noticed this and i've noticed that and here's how they all tie together it's not as much like here are the clues and if you're you know you got it in you then uh you can do it let's take a second jackson We're going to take like five seconds for anybody who wants to pause and come back. Mm. And then after that, we're going to not worry about spoilers. And this
1: is where we're going to put some of the theme music.
0: Instead of the theme music, I'll just put in some dumb clip from the episode.
2: This grouse is superb. Mrs. Hudson has really surpassed herself this time.
0: Welcome back. Uh, which I would have said via a complicated series of gestures of my arms and legs, but I don't think half of those letters are actually in the episode, so... Yeah, is the Dancing Man a complete alphabet you can learn, if you wanted to? It is not. Uh, I've looked it up a few times for varying reasons in the last week or so, and the letters that they don't touch on in the story are just kind of left either blank, or there's like a... Here's our idea for a a dancing man that could fit in there. Sure, uh, but there's no like, as far as I know, there's no official full uh, cipher. Right, that's kind of a shame. Like, I would, I wouldn't mind like just having that knowledge.
1: Kind of like how I like learned the Norse runes and the agum and the Dinotopian footprint language.
0: Yep, that all of those I also am very familiar with. Good,
1: good. I'm glad you've done the, the homework for this.
0: Uh, what I am familiar with though is the plot to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's story, The Dancing Man. Oh, good. Uh, Holmes and Watson are basically just kind of loafing around 221B. Uh, when Holmes pulls out an intense piece of deduction and basically reading Watson's mind, at which Watson is extraordinarily surprised that he managed to do it, and declaims, uh there's no way Holmes could have known that and Holmes responds that he should make Watson sign something to that effect because in five minutes he'll declare it was absurdly simple and then Holmes then goes into his deductions very kind of um not pedantically but it's like a teacher it's like I, I don't a know. step by step yeah it's it's very much a lecture it, Watson in the story even kind of refers to it as a lecture it's
1: like when you're um doing proofs for uh in, I don't know, algebra or whatever, and you has to, like, write out even the boring parts of how you got there.
0: Yeah. And uh, the end of which...
2: <laughs> how absurdly simple. <sighs> Quite so. Every problem is absurdly simple when it is explained to you.
0: Holmes then furnishes him with a paper from a Mr. Hilton cubit who uh, has a an interesting puzzle for Sherlock Holmes, uh, a, what they describe as a child scrawl, just these like stick figures of these dancing men that he's found on his property that uh, have greatly upset his wife, inexplicably, seemingly.
1: And then uh, Hilton Cubitt arrives and explains the problem. He married his wife, now Elsie Cubitt, an American woman, about a year ago. They met basically at random, and it was a whirlwind romance. And even though she was very secretive about her past and he's from an, a proper upper-class family, he didn't care, and they fell in love and got married. And then recently these figures started appearing, and they're very worrying to him. So he's come to Sherlock Holmes to help solve the problem. And Sherlock says he will, and asks him to send him more dancing men if he sees any.
0: I, I want to talk about a little bit about uh the South African securities which is the dedu- piece of deduction that Holmes makes. This is kind of a, as far as being the second episode of the Granada series, I think this was a good choice, even if just for that, as a, a really good way of like the Holmes style very quickly in the episode. Because a, a scandal in Bohemia doesn't really get into his deductive process too much. Right. Beyond like, all right, well, we know she has it on her. So how do we figure out how to get it from her? This is much more of the Sherlock Holmes that people are familiar with, of the taking the smallest clues from the seemingly most obscure places and piecing them together into these, like, astonishing revelations. Um, so the best parallel I can draw
1: is uh, the the start of uh, Captain America Civil War when the team's, mm. like, on a mission and they like fight some dudes and they like get into some scrapes and then they stop the thing and they like solve it all in about like ten minutes and it's just sort of, hey, here's who these characters are, what their powers are, what their skills are, how they solve mm. problems and how you know kind of how effective they are, what they're about. And sure and you see that in a lot of things where we kind of have a like a brief reminder slash display of whatever the hero's powers are at the start of the narrative. So you kind of have mm. that in your mind. And this is that kind of thing where it just starts off with like, hey, here's what Holmes can do. And here's what you're going to see him do.
0: So Holmes and Watson are in their living, like the common room of their apartment, 221B uh, Baker Street. And Watson's like reading the paper and Holmes is looking through a microscope and Holmes says. So,
2: Watson. Hmm? You do not propose to invest in South African securities. How on earth do you know that? I can tell, by an inspection of the groove between your left forefinger and thumb, that you've decided not to invest your small capital in the goldfields. I can see no connection. Very likely not. But I can quickly give you a close connection. Here are the missing links in the very simple chain. You had chalk between your forefinger and thumb when you returned from the club last night. You put chalk there when you play billiards to ease the cue. You never play billiards except with Thurston. Now, Thurston, you told me four weeks ago, had an option on some South African security which expired in a month and which he desired you to share with him. Your chequebook is locked in my drawer and you have not asked for the key, so you do not propose to invest your money in that manner.
1: <laughs>
2: How absurdly simple.
1: Yeah, so my favorite part of all that is the way that Watson just beams afterwards. Like he has this huge grin, like, um, My roommate does Rubik's Cubes really well, and I can't do Rubik's Cubes for shit, so whenever he does them, I'm like, wow, you're a gosh dang wizard. And so I think Watson kind of has the same thing of, like, he knows that he can't do this kind of stuff, but he likes watching Holmes do it, and he doesn't, Holmes doesn't like belittle him too much. He doesn't like make him feel bad for not being able to. He's just like, hey, look at this cool trick I can do.
0: And... I do like at the end where it's yeah it, it's the party trick and he's very impressed. But I also love I, for me I wrote a note during that is Watson's expression while Holmes waxes about inferences is half boys will be boys and half you're so full of shit. Like there's this like half grin of like that's Sherlock for you and half of like okay but this time this time you are just going like you're just free forming here you're just kind of in like improving this one because there is no <laughs> way you did this
1: yeah and then by the end when holmes does pull it off he's like yeah you got me
0: yeah that at the end he's like damn that was no you did it like i i was wrong well done like very impressive Mm -hmm. also apparently watson just keeps his checkbook in holmes's house which is there are some adaptations i've seen or like apocryphal stories where watson might have a little bit of a gambling problem Mm -hmm. nothing like major but it's much more of like a you keep my checkbook locked up that way, then, I'm not as tempted. Yeah, I get that. But and I'm not putting that into the, the sphere of canon. I I know that that is a take with Watson that kind of explains that.
1: Yeah, and I think that if you accept that there's some deeper reason behind why Watson checkbook would be there, then that whole scene is also doing the work of telling us about that character trait and letting us wonder why and make our own deductions based on what little knowledge we have.
0: Uh, so in the episode, we now get some scenes at Derbyshire where I, I use the english pronunciation like Derbyshire, i can't remember that uh lc cubit calls it Derbyshire.
1: uh darbyshire Sh-
0: okay i'm not calling it that
1: <laughs> yeah so as worth mentioning in the episode we see like an opening scene where uh the cubits are walking through their estate and Elsie sees something that terrifies her and she runs off and um then we cut to baker street whereas in the in the story it just starts in baker street
0: i forgot about that uh, cubit opening oh
1: yeah it's not vital to have but it does set a tone and kind of get us in the sense of there's something more happening here we see the dancing man at the end of that scene and so it's like so kind of the build-up to that is a good like tension moment yes so hilton cubit which is wow what a name um, yeah there's a lot of very like british names associated with this because we've got hilton cubit we've got john hawksworth who adapted this for television hawksworth is a great name anyway Cubitt talks about how like he you know, met this you know american wife who has this mysterious past and she made him prompt not to talk about and he's like maintaining that promise against all reason and there's a bit where holmes like I can't remember exactly what it is. He asked. some question that's like kind of a little bit rude and Cubitt is defensive. And Watson's yeah. like, you No, know, he's not saying that, Mr. Cubitt. Uh, Patrick was her name,
2: Elsie Patrick. Well, we were both alone and we became friends. Did the sights and that. At your expense? Well, certainly not. Are you suggesting. No, he's not, Mr. Cubitt, not at all.
0: I meant to look into this and I didn't, but my take on it was he talks about how they went sightseeing together in London and Holmes says at your expense and Watson, and he goes, oh, and yeah. Watson says, no, he's not. He's really not. I think it's like, she's a woman of the night. Like he, or like a mistress or like something illicit that he was like paying for her. That's a read. My read was more, is it possible she
1: only married you for your money? Kind of thing. Honestly, I think you're Tracks more because I mean, this guy is he is rich, and by the end of the thing, she has amassed 1.5 million dollars in really? current day money.
0: Oh, oh, right, right, for the bribe. Okay, I i missed,
1: yeah, yeah. Rushing ahead, she she bribed somebody with uh like 20 50 pound notes, and I did the math, and that's about 1.5 million dollars uh-huh. in today's money. And this guy's like, Oh, I'm not that rich, we're just an old family. I'm like, No, so you have. You have buku
0: money. So this is a bit where the story and the episode kind of diverge. Uh, Cubit himself would not be overly concerned about the dancing men, but the appearance of the childish drawings is frightening his wife, Elsie Cubit. Cubit had married the American Elsie a year earlier, but one of the conditions of marriage was that Cubit was not to ask his wife about her life prior to their meeting. It was a strange request, but being a gentleman was one Cubit was willing to agree to. For a year, the couple had been happy together, but then two weeks earlier, a letter had arrived from America, and Elsie, after reading it, had promptly destroyed it. A week later, the dancing figures had started to appear around the Norfolk estate, and whilst Cubitt was worried, he would not ask Elsie directly, Cubitt keeping his previous promise. Though he did not feel that this promise meant that Sherlock Holmes could not
2: investigate the matter. Don't you think, Mr. Cubitt that your best plan would be to make a direct appeal to your wife, and ask her to share her secret with you? A promise is a promise, Mr. Holmes. If Elsie wishes to tell me, then she will. But I have no right to force her confidence. However, I do feel entitled to take my own line, and I will.
0: Cubitt would return to his home, but there was at the time little Holmes could do, for one set of figures did not offer enough for Holmes to go on. This is a weird thing in this one, because we've talked about changes that they've made from story to script. And this one was just like a lot of weird little changes. In the story, she reads the letter from America, and in the episode, she burns it without reading. They've been married three years in the episode instead of one. Hmm. He comes to London for the Queen, Queen Victoria's, I believe, Golden Jubilee in the episode. and yep. this one, he's just in London for an unspecified reason. And, like, mm-hmm. I get, like, the timing. They probably figured, oh, that's probably what they meant. But, like, it's just, we- these are, like, weird changes. Normally you see instances, like we talked about last episode, I think, with wa- things that Watson has written becomes things that Watson says, which is, an in- like, an uh, okay, that makes sense as a change. But in this, it was like, why are we, why is it like, oh, it's been three years, and, oh, I was in town for this specific reason. And I just, it was weird to me that. And I think the fact that she read the letter changes the story more. Like, burning it unread is a heavier, a, a more interesting clue for Holmes than a read letter that she yeah. burns.
1: I think it also it works better for the mystery-solving thing because you're not wondering what was in the letter that she read. You're you're just like, oh, she got a letter, the letter was bad, and you don't have to worry about the contents of yeah. that letter as something we might figure out later on. Cause, because she never knows, we also never expect to know
0: there's one thing i want to bring up real quick before we get go on when you were talking about how he was just kind of like detached it also made me think of how holmes does this a lot and i think jeremy brett does this really well how holmes goes from very languid to very frenetic Hmm. in the opening with the south african interests thing or south african securities he's sitting at his microscope just very calmly and as soon as Watson says, there's no way you can know that, he like whips up out of the chair and starts pacing. And then at one point he's like languidly, basically just like lay, almost laying in a chair. And then it's like up on his feet and like moving around very quickly, like frantically across the the rooms. And I really like that. I think that's a, that's a thing that you see with Holmes a lot. And I think Jeremy Brett really nails the very languid Holmes suddenly snapping into like fast movement here and there. So
1: the next bit of the story is... Holmes getting letters from Mr. Cubitt of more of these dancing men. We should probably explain what they are. It's like, imagine it's like a line of approximately uh, a dozen or
0: so... Stick figures, basically. I mean, some of them have their arms up, legs out. Some have like one standing on its head. Some of them are both hands in the air on one leg, and one of the hands is holding a flag.
1: And Holmes is getting more of these, and, and you can see... And he's like working them out on like a chalkboard, trying to figure out what they all mean. And this is the... The story just kind of has him solve it off screen more or less, and explain it at the end. Whereas in the episode, he's solving it like in front of you, and you're like, and you're kind of able to follow along. It's a fun visualization of that process.
0: More at the end, when he's actually explaining it in full, gets a little kind of bogged down, and surprisingly, like guessy. Well, naturally, I I could assume that this and this and this were correct, and I was like, that seems a little like I know that like. I think it needed a little more of a touch of trial and error of figuring out that these were the, the correct letters unless less like, well, this made sense here. So I kind of just threw these in to see what would happen. And then turns out I was right. I don't know. And that, that's just my read, but I, the end seemed a little more of happy luck that he managed to correctly slot some in, in some places. But
1: um, I also want to talk about how Holmes is kind of very detached and afterwards The idea that Watson's kind of the empathy that Uh Holmes doesn't have is a really good use of him. And that comes
0: up a lot. A lot in the series you'll find, I think, is that Holmes seems to lack empathy when he's on the case. Like when, Hmm. as I've mentioned before, there are times where he lets people get away with murder because it was like a just it was kind of justice or an accident or whatever. He's not like, no, you did it. I'm turning you in. It's it's like, no, this person was a piece of shit and they kind of deserved it and it you know what it serves no one by me turning them in like turning you in and but like on the case holmes is very like laser focused on solving it solving it getting it done and what that's where watson kind of is like stepping in to be like hey they're human being like you're a human being also like don't forget that these are people or i don't know like Mm -hmm. but like you said in the case he's like
2: weren't exactly sympathetic
0: he doesn't come to me for sympathy Which I like. I I think that there's a good relationship there of Holmes being sympathetic to people. Like, this is their plight, but knowing that that sympathy isn't going to solve the case.
1: Yeah. And I like that he's, like, aware of that. Like, he doesn't, he's kind of made peace with the fact that's not what he's good at. Or, sorry, or made peace with the fact that that's not what he's there for.
0: Yeah. Like, he's there to do this job, and he can't let sympathy really stop him from doing the job. That kind of emotion is just the grit and the finely tuned machine, the 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 other thing they said in Scandal Bohemia.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um so meanwhile at the Cupid Estate, um uh, which has a name that I don't yeah, remember. It's, um,
0: something like Norsham House. That's it's not right, but it's something close to that. Riddling British Manor.
1: Yeah, something British.
0: Um Ridley Scott House.
1: <laughs> yes. So um at the house at the Nostromo it's most just like the stick figures show up and somebody reacts to them but the like arc of this is that the loving couple kind of gets more and more stressed because of the secrets of Elsie's past and Cupid's wanting to help but not knowing how and being frustrated with her not explaining things and eventually he wakes up one night to find that she's having an argument with someone in the uh, having an argument with somebody downstairs he goes downstairs to find out what happens. We see him go through a door. There's uh, some shouting and some gunshots and whoo! And that's uh, the end of that.
0: I want to I want to point out one thing here real quick, and that is the character of Walker, who is like the stable, the courier stable guy that works for Cubit, um, the guy with the mustache and the bowler hat. Oh yeah, yeah. what well, is not in the story, so that they kind of introduced him just for ease of having the same guy take letters to and fro, right? And two i can't decide if they wrote into the script that he clearly hates everyone he works for because he cops such a huge attitude with cubit like every time he talks to him like clearly hates cubit or if that actor was really just gonna milk like the five lines of dialogue that he had for everything they were worth
1: oh i would 100% guess the latter like he's like "Hmm, i gotta pick a character trait resentful
0: yeah surly,
1: spiteful I mean, relatable.
0: Yeah, it was so funny to me of just how openly he hated Cubit. Like <laughs> in the episode, I actually really like this part of the episode, and I think it was a much better use of the visual medium because in the, as you pointed out, in the story, he's kind of solving it piece by piece in front of us, and in this one, it's with these giant chalkboards with yeah. some things laid out, and Holmes has sent a telegram to America. And he's hoping to get this reply from it. And he thinks he's got it late one night, but it's actually another line of dancing men. And he starts filling it out on the board. And there's this moment where he and Watson both like look at this in some horror and then move for the door at the same time. And as it pans around, we see it says LC. And then the two Ps and the word prepare are crossed out because Holmes doesn't have those. So it says like rare to meet thy go. And because the D isn't filled out, and I think that's such an awesome way of doing that visual. Like you yeah. can, as it pans around, you see them out the door, running like taking the stairs down, like turning the stairway to run outside to like try to get there as fast as they can.
1: Yeah. So you see it, and like you're like re rare sweet, like go. What, what does that mean? And then you like the wheels turn a second later, and you figure it out. Like after them, you're like, oh god, no.
0: And um, Holmes kind of mutters, "Prepare," I think, because uh, like that's one where. Hmm. I could see him being like, well, obviously this word is prepare. Okay, so these are Ps. Like, in the, I was talking about earlier in the story where I felt like he was guessing at a lot mm, of places. Yeah. But I don't know, it's just this very good use of the visual medium to actually make that, like, a very heavy scene.
1: Um. Also, before that, uh, before just that last um, strip of Dancing Man, he is waiting on the telegram. And he's pacing around his apartment, and there's a scene where he, like, goes to, where he like goes to do some opium and he's about to then he kind of like puts it down because because he needs that like he needs some hits of mental stimulation and he's at the end of his wits so he kind of goes back to the board kind of like like no no i need to be like sharp and that's a really good like a really good furtherance of that character trait of like having this need
0: now i have to i have to i have to correct you there jackson for the fans it's either morphine or cocaine holmes Ah. doesn't do opium oh sure there's a thing that he does of like a 7% solution which he brought up in a Scandal Bohemia the episode. But that's like a famous Holmes thing of the 7% solution has right. his, has his particular uh, flavor right. of drug.
1: Yeah, I I super don't know drugs, so to me it's all either like the weed drug or um or or uh or opium. Those are the only two <laughs>
0: <laughs> or absinthe. That's more of a Alcohol, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but I mean, it's still like alcohol is still a drug. It's, Tune you know, in to
0: our other podcast, Drug Talk, where we <laughs> decide what is a drug and what isn't. <laughs> so Holmes and Watson managed to get down to uh, Norfolk by the next morning, uh, and they're met at the station by an attendant who asks them if they're the surgeons because. Hilton Cubitt has died, and it seems that he was shot by Elsie before she then turned the gun on herself, although she didn't actually die. They make their way to Riddling Thorpe Manor, and they are met by Inspector Martin of the Norfolk Constabulary. Martin is more than happy to have the assistance of Holmes on the case, and soon Holmes is examining the crime scene. Uh, To Martin, it seems a clear-cut case, but when Holmes digs out a third bullet, It is evident that a second gun and therefore a third person was present when Cubitt was shot. Holmes questions the staff for some particular evidence. Um, They mentioned how there was a very loud gunshot and then a much quieter gunshot. Uh, They mentioned that when they started to come downstairs, they could smell uh, gunpowder in the stairway, but also in the room. And I believe that's it. Holmes also finds on a table in the room, 20, 50-pound notes rolled up in a uh, rubber band.
1: And that's a change they make from the the story to the script. In the story, he goes crime scene, then then servants. Whereas here, he's like, no, I want to question the servants first, then the crime scene. And it's kind of a interesting thing to see him kind of having this alternate process than the the inspector expected him to have.
0: Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure what to make of that. I there's there's an element here and we'll get to it more to the end that of the inspector and Holmes and their kind of their relationship in this hmm. so Holmes uh, asks if any if there's an inn or a tavern or somewhere where someone could stay nearby called Elridges and I want I'm gonna pause here for a second so we can put in the clip because the way Jeremy Brett says Elridges I could listen to on a loop for like an hour
1: just like
2: ASMR yeah do any of you know of an inn in the neighborhood called Elridges uh,
0: the stable boy who in the episode is the aforementioned Walker uh, says that there's a farm nearby and Holmes asks if it's a very lonely farm and he's told yes and the stable boy says that they probably haven't heard of what happened here by now so Holmes writes a note and hands it to him and says it's to be given to the to who it's written for what like basically don't give it to anyone else but the person whose name is on this and sends him off and then basically goes into about a two-page explanation of how he solved the dancing men for inspector martin about ciphers and stuff and in the episode they have watson do this and i really like this element of it Mm -hmm. because a thing that we haven't mentioned is that holmes has written a small monograph on ciphers which You'll, you'll see the phrase, a small monograph, appear many, many, many times in this series. It's almost like a, a running joke among Holmes fans of like, oh, yes, you've read my small monograph on da-da-da.
1: Also, so in this episode, uh, Holmes like says like, oh, like, surely you've read my monograph on this. And Watson's like, oh, I, I started
2: it. and <laughs> You have read my monograph on Secret side. Some of it. Uh, I found it rather heavy going. Like, I,
1: we have all done that thing where we definitely haven't read our friends' boring shit, and I appreciate that, like, it's kind of an extension of this whole thing where, like, because Holmes doesn't really have empathy, he, doesn't, he also doesn't have, like, fun, so it's kind of hard for him to, like, make exciting works of writing.
0: I feel like Holmes does have fun, but it, this is a, he's writing, like, mm-hmm. a technical manual, and so he's not going to embellish it mm-hmm. with, like, metaphors and jokes. Or whatever. It's like this is right. how you solve ciphers. Done. But I, so <laughs> at one point we see Watson, like Holmes is like referencing it for a minute, and he puts it down, and Watson walks by and goes to pick it up, and kind of like has it, like pulls back for a second and walks away. And I love the idea of Watson being like, you know what? He's like, oh, I, no! If I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it my way. I'm not going to cheat. But he does end up like reading it. And so in the episode here, he goes into this like long monologue about how we solve ciphers. Well, Holmes smokes what I wrote in my notes as a post-coital mystery cigarette.
1: (laughs) Oh, no. Because he's
0: just sitting there with the most euphoric expression on his face, like lovingly smoking a cigarette.
1: Oh, God, you're right.
0: (laughs) So, I have a question for you. What do you think about switching, giving Watson this explanation?
1: I mean, it it gives Watson something to do, Mm -hmm. which I like. like, Watson doesn't really have a lot in this episode because he's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's yeah um so that's good i also kind of because sherlock does a lot of talking there's a certain amount of like we'll get into this later i think as well with uh the next episode when sherlock is talking it's the plot Mm -hmm. spinning when watson is talking it's like important pay attention to this
0: in in a couple weeks we'll get to one that that involves a lot more um legwork like they go a lot more places and watson's like given some tasks to do uh which Mm -hmm. i think will is, is It's an alright one, but it, it is what we get some more often. Like here in the beginning, we're kind of bunched up with Watson. Just listens to Sherlock talk for a while.
1: Yeah, and David Burke's like a charismatic man, so I don't mind like listening to him talk about stick figures for. We're going to.
0: I want to return to this idea later, in a meta in a meta reason with the show. I've debated whether or not I have to tell you this, but I'm gonna tear the bandaid off now. David Burke isn't Watson forever. In this series,
1: yeah, okay. I
0: saw that on Wikipedia. I feel a little, little bit better horrible. than that. I wasn't the one to like tell you that Santa wasn't real. <laughs> yeah, this is my preferred Watson. Uh, his the guy who replaces him poorly, Edward Hardwick. Uh, there, there is a meta in, in the production of the show. There's a meta thing that we'll come back to that kind of touches on this, and that's one reason I wanted to bring it up was for reference later. Mm. We still have a long way to go before our Burke days are mm. done. <laughs> Which I'm very happy, of, because I love this Watson. Yeah, he's so good. We'll get to the Watson Hardwick debate at a later time.
1: Yeah, I do just want to throw out there that in in the scene um, where he's like looking around the scene of the crime, he has an actual magnifying glass, and because I'm so used to the idea of like the magnifying glass, and this like outdated technology that like is you know yeah an old thing, seeing it pull it out almost like a parody, and like wait, no, that's a That's just a period accurate thing. They just had those.
0: But also being so with Sherlock Holmes, like a lot of, even like silhouettes you see, like drawings of Sherlock Holmes usually have him with a magnifying glass. Usually like overly large. Yeah. In this case, it's actually like a very small practical magnifying glass. So after this explanation is done, they lay out the messages and the first one says, I am here, Abe Slaney.
1: Yeah. So he pulled up the messages and it's like, hey, so this one says, uh, Am here, Abe Slaney. Mm-hmm. then at Eldridge's. And then the next one is Elsie, prepare to me if I
0: go. So in the story she actually writes a reply to one of them where he says to come here at once, she replies in the dancing men with never. And that's one way that Holmes I was able to figure out N V and R mm. uh in it. And Inspector Martin is like, well, we have to go get this guy at once. And Holmes says, well, I'm actually expecting him like any minute now. And because he'd written to Abe Slaney...
2: Holmes, what did you write in that note? See if you could read it. Come here at once. Come here at
0: once. How absurdly simple. Uh, So they get the jump on Abe Slaney. And in the show, he's a lot more of a slick customer. Like, he won't talk. He's like, I know Elsie's fine because she wrote me a letter only I can read. And Holmes says, uh, what one man may create, another man may discover. A good line. And basically, they lay out before him what's going on. And he admits to everything that he showed up to basically drag Elsie home because her father is basically the crime lord of Chicago. And she ran away when She was promised to Abe Slaney to get married when they were younger, and he came to get her. Basically, she tried to bribe him to make him go away so that no dishonor would fall on the Cubit name, because she thought it would destroy Hilton, ironically, destroying Hilton in the process. Yeah. And Abe and Hilton shot at each other, but Hilton missed, and Abe killed Hilton and as Holmes somewhat poetically calls the third shot. The saddest of all,
2: Mrs. Cubit self-administered in her despair. Uh,
0: we then pretty much wrap up. The inspector, Martin, says, basically, is if I ever have a very interesting case, I hope that I have the good fortune to call on you, Mr. Holmes. Holmes and Watson go back to London, and we get a little Watson summary, as we typically do in these, that... Basically, Abe Slaney was going to be put to death, but it was pretty much proven that Hilton Cubitt shot first, so he got, like, life in prison, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, LC pulled through, and as far as Watson knows to that day, lives at Riddlingthorpe Thorpe Manor, tending to, I think, it says story I think it says, like, the poor and executing on her husband's estate. Yeah.
1: It's not as specific in the in the adaption, but it's like still like you know she makes a recovery. It's just sort of a an uncertain note. It's like I mean, sure, Holmes solved the case, but and all that jazz, and caught the murder. But like this woman still like lost the man she loved. I think part of why it's so good is it kind of it doesn't end on like just a happy or just a sad note. It's just kind of a like
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know yeah, there were some penalties to this. There was some some damage.
0: Now, Jackson, I know you wanted to get into the Hilton's relationship. Yeah, I as
1: Elsie kind of keeps her secrets, Hilton gets more and more angry, almost and there's a point where like she tries to run away and he like almost pushes her away from the door. And it's not like
0: it's not like super violent or anything, but it's just enough that I'm Mm -hmm. like a little uncomfortable with Is this the is this the scene where she comes home and he's sherry drunk?
1: Yeah, that one, yeah.
0: I took it I thought it was I mean, he still got a little rough with her. I didn't think she was trying to run. I think she was trying to get him to leave with her. Yeah, him. yeah. And and he was being very firm about this, and kind of like he was like holding her and shaking her roughly, yeah. which I mean, still isn't awesome. Yeah,
1: like it, it's not enough to you go, "Wow, he's actually an abuser." But it's enough that I'm like, because I didn't expect him to fucking die. Um, I thought that was going to be like a
0: like they were going to reconcile uh, or
1: something. Like they like the 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 their relationship was the real thing at stake here. Gotcha. But then he dies.
0: I mean, he does kind of reconcile almost immediately with him. Yeah. I hadn't really thought too much about the kids' relationship. I didn't...
1: It's one of the benefits of this adaption that we see things that, you know, Watson doesn't know about. So mm-hmm. we get, like, the creators expanding on the story in new ways and deepening these characters and their relationships, which I like.
0: Yeah. It's uh, one of the benefits, I think, for... This episode benefited from a, you know, 50-minute run time. Something that I think next week's episode did not. Oh, okay. But we'll get to that next week. So I guess we have just enough time for a few quick thoughts at the end. If you have any uh, any little tidbits that you that came up but really weren't worth going into a huge amount of detail about, mm. I have one. Something that I, interested in me was kind of a repetition of childish and childhood they refer to the, the dancing men as like a childish scrawl mm. or a child's drawing. And then Abe Slaney and Elsie were childhood acquaintances. I don't know. It, it was just, it, there's nothing really there other than I thought that that was an interesting, like I just noticed a repetition of like childish childhood throughout, like a few notes of that.
1: Yeah, I get that. And I mean, they also, because of the, because the drawings do look very innocent. If you don't know anything about them, they look like just, you know, happy dancing, sick figures. it is, that thing where something that should be innocent is rendered creepy by the greater context, so, yeah.
0: And I guess, like, a thing that at first, like, it started out as a very light, childish, like, oh, it's it's just, you know, this weird drawing that's kind of creeping my wife out to, like, a very dark ending. Yeah, um, our first murder mm. of the show. You've tasted blood now, Jackson. Although, You've tasted Sherlock blood. I guess
1: technically not a murder, because it was in self-defense, so... A crime of passion and a almost suicide. So we're almost to a murder.
0: I want to also personally thank you, Jackson, especially with the show, because now I can't not be like, Okay, but there was like five easier ways you could have done this, Holmes. Like you're obviously just like like this is your grand your grand illusion. Like you're you're making a show now.
1: Well, yeah, and that's definitely like a intentional character trait. Like when even at the start of the thing of the at the start, we've talked about this a lot, the South Africa thing, Holmes. Spins around and says, "You know, like ah, let me show you how I deduce this." Instead of instead of just making yeah, a normal I, conversation about it, because he really likes to show off with this,
0: he's he's a showman. For me, the the thing at the beginning was much more of like a, a lesson for Watson, and yeah, it, it got a little like a little showy. I, I took it more as like, I guess I'll lay this out for you as a teacher would. The Abe Slaney thing at the end was definitely, and even in the story, I didn't I hadn't noticed before. Watson says like. This is just the way he likes to do things. Yeah, like I know that he likes to make
1: a little bit of a show about it. One more thing, I do want to say, that, because mm-hmm. so when you're reading the story, you don't—it's just like people talking. There's like big paragraphs of people talking about kind of how mysteries work, and here mm-hmm. it works so much better in the adaptation because you can have the camera's eye focusing in on either like people talking or people's reactions. So, you can, so it's kind of leading you into this part matters, this part doesn't, or you know this part is significant, this part is chaff
0: i think that's case closed on the dancing men
1: uh before we close out you have anything to plug
0: uh yeah i do a podcast with my friend madison jones it's called the equalizers we take movies that didn't get a sequel or don't deserve a sequel or prequel and we come up with ones for them uh you can find us everywhere online at the equalizers That's E-Q-U-E-L-I-Z-E-R-S, like in sequel.
1: And I do podcasts with my friend Shaggy. We compare movies and see what's coming up on top. Currently, we're doing a Disney bracket. We are gratuitous pausing. You can find that anywhere online. It's spelled normally because we know how to spell things.
0: Fair enough. So Jackson, next week we leave behind the Dancing Men, Ridley Thorpe Manor, and we find ourselves with a very interesting little problem of the Naval Treaty.
1: We hope to join us next time. We'll be here, same time, same place, next week. And until then, revere to meet thy go.